some years ago in my book Don't Think of the Black Cat, I make the following observation. In conversation or writing, choose your words carefully. It's often said that people nowadays are lazy with language. For instance, the word cool is used instead of many more precise words. Exciting, joyful, gripping, amusing, arousing, astounding, etc. Now, there are a number of reasons why choosing your words is important. One is that if you're lazy with your words, you're expecting the other person to fill in the position that you didn't convey, and they will do that according to their own assumptions. For instance, you might have been thinking of exciting when you used the word cool, and the person listening may have been thinking educational or even cold. Another is that when you choose your words carefully, you need to be clear of your concepts, and this clarifies your thought processes. Now, this is far more true today than it was probably the five years ago when I wrote that. You see, words have taken on a quality of their own, and they even talk about trigger words. So the word itself isn't analysed to say what its meaning is. It's simply the word as, a, as a, an entity on, on its own. And this is why they want to ban certain words, you know, and certain words are considered dangerous or harmful. The word in itself simply conveys an idea. But of course, people associate that idea with an emotion. This isn't rational because it's an emotion. And then this, as I say, takes on a life of its own. Now, it's no coincidence that in his book, 1984, George Orwell devotes a whole section to the newspeak, to the language, the way that language has been changed in his uh, imaginary, not so imaginary now, world. And, of course, political correctness is about language. If you can control the words... You control what people, what concepts people can form, and therefore, to a certain extent, you control their thoughts. So certain words now are even made illegal. You know, you can't say certain words. You could be held up uh, for um, uh, violence or whatever simply by using certain words. Now, it's very important to actually... Stop and ask yourself, what do these words mean? When we talk about male and female, they used to have uh, a biological um, anchor. There was, a, there was a meaning. And now, you know, the Oxford English Dictionary has, re re has changed the word male and female. But there's no anchor there. There's nothing real. It's sort of more or less, well, male means what you want it to mean and female means what you want it to mean. Well, of course, it's going to mean something different to me than to somebody else who's talking. But that's true of all these words. This is why they want people to choose their own pronouns. Pronouns. Oh, the words mean what you want them to mean. And so any ability to hitch your ideas to some kind of rationality to some kind of logic to some kind of reality has all but disappeared the the hook that the, the the words used to be hung on you know male and female 
were hung on the entity of maleness and the entity of femaleness, which has a biological entity. Violence had a hook to hang it on, you know, when somebody was physically attacked. Um, you, you had, that's, that's what the word meant. But now all these words, that hook has been taken away. Violence can mean what you want it to mean. And people say, oh, they're violent because they use the wrong pronoun. And, and, I, and this is real. I mean, I saw this just, just earlier on a, on a YouTube video. And so somebody's lamenting, saying, oh, yes, well, they use the wrong pronouns. I don't know what they're capable of. This is violence. They could be capable of anything. So this isn't, isn't any reality here. This is just their anxiety and that they've hung this on, you know, so it's violence because they want to think it's violence. Just the same way as this is male or female because I want to think it's male or female. There's no reality there. And so this makes your think where the thinking becomes confused. There's no basis. There's no logic for the thinking. Um, but it also means you're very open to being manipulated because the words aren't hung on anything real they can be manipulated by entities who who do this and who will change the meaning of these words and the emotional impact what they want to convey at a whim the result is is that you're in a constant state of anxiety um, if you're worried about upsetting people for using the wrong words, well, these meanings change all the time, you're going to be consciously anxious. Um, if somebody says, oh, you use this word, therefore you're violent against me, and you believe that, you're going to be in a constant state of anxiety because you can always be violent by saying anything. It also makes you scared to say anything. And of course, this is another element here. It's oppression of free speech. Not because the government's suppressing your free speech, although they do, but you're doing it yourself because you're out of fear. You're afraid of saying anything that might upset people. Any speech that's got any, any worthwhile characteristic to it is going to upset some people who disagree with you. And, and for some reason, if you, know, if you disagree with people, they, they get upset. I mean, they don't go on and say, well, you know, you disagree. Why do you disagree and discuss it? They simply choose to get upset. Which leads me to another issue that we see nowadays. I write a lot about, um, well, multiple dimensions, <clears throat> about atheism and so on. And whenever I talk to atheists and I say, well, look, if you want to discuss, you can read my stuff here. And if you want to talk about it, we can have a Zoom session. To a man or to a woman, they have never taken me up on this. They never say, yes, you know, let's discuss it. I think I had one person who had, we had a discussion, and it was interesting, but didn't really go very far. Um, but everybody else, it's the reaction is not only, oh, well, I'll, I'll read your stuff, or I'll read it and I disagree. That, that would be a huge step forward. No, the, the reaction is, I don't want to read it because this is just stuff that I'm going to disagree with without even having read it. And so they don't think about their ideas. They never challenge their ideas. They come across with more and more extreme nonsense, absolute rubbish, um, which is emotionally based, not rationally based, and they will simply refuse to talk about it. 
uh, I call, and I've said this before, you know, atheism I've called an idiot's club because of this total lack of any kind of r real rationality. But of course the atheists reckon that they're the rational ones, that everybody else is being irrational. I mean, there is a, a modicum of truth in there in the sense that you know, the atheist and the extremist in any religion or the dev devotees, the zealots in any religion are identical in the way they hang on to their ideas. So although I'm saying that the atheists refuse to um, read anything or discuss anything that's going to contradict their ideas, this is often as true of Christian zealots or zealots in other religions. I've found it generally not true of... Um, of Muslims, there are the Wahhabis, it might be true, but generally I found Muslims to be very open to discussion. Um, most Christians, not so much, and atheists never. You can see the importance of thinking with clear language, expressing yourself with clear language, and you don't fall into this trap. I've seen many articles on, on media, which I used to write for, and um, the standard has, has deteriorated even over the last year. I don't know whether the standard in general has deteriorated or whether it's just examples of the medium um, people are showing me. But it's shocking that you can have whole articles which don't contain one iota of a logical discourse. There was one lamenting the fact that the writer the writer said that people don't use the word male and the female in the way that he thought or she thought or whatever thought they ought to. There was no logical um, discussion about what male and female means, about why there's the purpose behind the words male and female and so on. It was simply like you people, you're all racist or transphobic or whatever because you don't use male or female and it's, it's completely illogical, completely irrational. But I see this from just about every standpoint. I saw uh, an argument by a <laughs> an argument, to, to put it, if we can use that word, uh, by a woman who was uh, trying to justify abortion and she said, oh, I've got a, a sign here, which was only nice pretty colours and, you know, in capitals and she said, the sign said, um, the life begins at the moment when you understand what um, a, that a woman's right to choose. It was on those lines. That wasn't the exact thing. It was on those lines. Now that the the thing was blatant rubbish, and of course, you know she's with a, a crowd of uh, of people who are all egging her on, and um, it was a completely illogical, irrational point to make. You, you know, if what she said was actually to be taken at face value, then she would presumably justify killing adults because they don't understand things in the way she thinks they ought to understand them because that's, the argument was that they're not really d developed uh, as human beings if they understand these things. Uh, it, it was a completely, I'm, I'm having trouble expressing the idea because the idea was so particularly ridiculous in what she put forward. But this is what happens when you, you, you don't have an appeal to logic and to rationality. Um, and when people do argue, and the, the woman was trying to argue with it, using logic and rationality, and of course didn't get very far. 
But then what happens is these people, will they get together afterwards and say, oh, these people, they're all against you and so on. They don't see it as a logical and rational argument against what they're saying. They just see it on an emotional basis. To a certain extent, this has been the way people, certain people develop. One of the problems here, of course, is that people don't do this at an early age. Now, one of the successes, I think, of the Jewish people is that the boys particularly, if they go to um, the, the, the Hebrew schools, they learn uh, the discussions of the Talmud, the um, and it's almost like a legal discourse. You argue to and fro about why Rabbi Shneez or Rabbi whatever said said this, and another Rabbi said that. And um, this trains the brain from an early age to look at things rationally, to to understand things in a rational way. And when I was growing up, there was always discussions around the table about things, usually politics or things. It was just how I was brought up. It's how I thought everybody was brought up. Because at that age, at the early age, you assume that everybody else has the same upbringing as you do. But of course now, kids don't even sit around a table and discuss or anything. They simply you know, given a TV meal and they sit on their iPad or their iPhone and whatever. And the discussion that goes on on Facebook is not any kind of rationality. It's all emotionally triggered. And so this is how they're encouraged to think. The parents do a huge disservice to their kids by not sitting around a table, not having a proper meal and discussing things and bringing people up. I remember my brother, his daughter was about 11 at the time, and um, she said that she would become a vegetarian. And I said, oh, okay. I said, why? You know, why have you become a vegetarian? And she got quite offended that um, I should ask, and my brother almost said, well, you know, it's not up to you to ask her those questions. But I was quite... I would say disappointed that my brother hadn't already said after that, not to say you should or shouldn't be a vegetarian. That wasn't the point. I wanted to say, well, if you're a vegetarian, you've made this decision. Why? What is your logical, rational reason? Or even an emotional reason. I mean, somebody could say, I'm a vegetarian because I love animals and I hate to see them being killed. And that's, that's, that would be in its own way a perfectly valid reason. But that wasn't it. There was nothing. It was just say, well, you know, you've got even cheek asking that question. But this is how people are now. Um, if you question things, the questioning is not seen as a way of saying, okay, you've made this decision, why have you made it? It's seen as saying uh, a judgment as if to say, oh, well, I disagree with you for making that decision. I didn't agree or disagree. I was simply trying to make ask her why she did it. And this inability to form logical, rational reasons behind things is a mark of the 21st century, is a mark of our generation, the new generation that's coming up. And this is why we are entering such a very, very sorry time, I think, as this generation gains prominence. Listen carefully to any of the 
ideas that come out of the so-called woke crowd, you know, the new politically left. I mean, I used to be left, but God knows not now. The um, And use your rationality. Ask yourself, you know, they're using these words, what do these words mean? What is the concept here that they're trying to express? What is the logic behind it? And they go on and talk about the science as if this is somehow, we don't need to understand it, we don't need to analyse it. The science has come to this conclusion. Now, this is absolute nonsense. Um, there is no such thing as the science. There's a scientific method and a scientific discussion which is often suppressed in any case. But to, re- to recourse and to retreat, simply saying the science says it, is no different from religious people saying, oh, well, it says this in the Bible or it says this in the Quran. You still have to go back to rationality and say, well, okay, I mean, it might be uh, true what the Quran says, what what the the Bible says, it may be, Uh, but what's the rationality behind it? What are they trying to get at here? What's the reasoning behind this? Um, There still has to be an understanding. The interesting thing is with the Quran, is that one of the constant themes in the Quran is that it emphasizes the importance of understanding. Um, yes, you can read the Quran and you can you know, say, say certain things, but you should understand them, not just take them as uh, automatic facts which you regurgitate in a mindless way. But of course, this is what religion does. This is the Christian, what the Christian zealots do with the Bible. It's what the Wahhabis do with the Quran and so on. They don't try and understand these ideas. They take something often out of context or something they don't understand. And just as an aside here, when you're talking about the Bible or the Quran, you have to understand that there are certain aspects which should be taken literally, you know, like don't eat pork or the Ten Commandments or things like this. And there's certain aspects which are very uh, uh, metaphorical, you know, the story of Adam and Eve and so on, um, is not a literal story of the creation of a first man and woman. It's, um, uh, it's well, this is really for another podcast, um, but it's an aspect of humanity that was born into an existing um, population. Um, and uh, Eve was the first woman who had that as well. And obviously the idea of taking a rib from Adam and so on is not literal. Um, the body, each aspect of the body, each part of the body has um, a spiritual significance and that's what's meant by this. But that's what we do with understanding. We understand that these things have a, a certain spiritual significance and we can understand that. It's very difficult to convey to somebody who has no aspect, no understanding of spirituality or no understanding of anything outside of so-called science. But this is part of understanding. It's a part of understanding your words and analysing and, and being clear about what you mean. Um, being clear doesn't mean you necessarily stick to logic and science. It means you understand it and you understand it in context and you can explain it. That's real understanding. Thank 
you for listening. You can email me, phil at graham.net. You can look at my website, philip with one L dot graham dot net. Graham is B-R-A-H-A-M. And if you send an email, put podcast in the subject so it doesn't get lost. Thank you. I'm not going to be able to do that. I'm not going to be able to do that. I'm not going to be able to do that. I'm not going to be able to do that.